Welcome to Living Well with Rentwell, the podcast for anybody who's thinking about getting into real estate, in real estate, and wants to take their game to the next level. I am your co-host, Rob Coldwell. Drew, good, good to have you here, man. As I, as I said, I cannot say your name without thinking of scope of work. And I remember when I was, I had just bought a thirteen-unit building, and I was, I was, uh, I had been to one of your talks that you gave, and you were so gracious to come up there. And uh, we went, I went through some of my construction numbers, and I think I was pulling some construction numbers from the early two thousands, <laughs> swinging my own hammer. So that's why I think of you for that, my friend. But give us your story. A lot, a lot of the listeners are going to know who you are. Uh, many of them will also not based upon their reach where they're at. So who are you, bud? Sure, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I started my journey into the real estate investing world almost a decade ago. I think it's been about eight years now. And I really got my start in the fix and flip space. So, you know, I guess you have to take it back even a little bit further than that, right? It's like what actually triggered the curiosity to begin the journey into real estate. And I don't think I'm much different than most people. Like most people, when they're starting out, um, they'll tell you usually a handful of the same things, right? I want passive income. I want freedom. I want, I want my time back. I want to be my own boss. I want to leave a legacy for my kids, right? Um, and I wasn't much different. But what triggered that for me was my girlfriend at the time. I was 20 years old. And she got pregnant with our first child. And up until that point, I was just your typical employee. You know, I never really had aspirations to do more, be more or anything like that. But something just changed in my mind, you know, and I was like, I need to be more, do more, provide for my family. And because of that, I think I got on the path of self-education, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Think and Grow Rich, stuff like that. And that kind of just lit a fire in me. And it got me looking into building a rental portfolio. And at the time, my dad was a general contractor. So it was like a perfect plan in my mind. I was like, cool, I can work on the real estate side of everything, work on acquisitions, everything else. And my dad will be able to handle the construction side of everything. And we'll be able to start building a rental portfolio. Um, and through that, I found a mentor, ended up getting my first deal, which ended up not really being a rental. Like I started underwriting deals every night until like two o'clock in the morning, like eight o'clock at night till two o'clock in the morning while I was still working my you know day job. That was my time to grind, to try to figure everything out, set up an LLC and everything and start underwriting deals. And the first real deal that I found didn't make sense as a rental, but it made a lot of sense as a flip. So we were like, what the hell? Let's just go for it, you know? And talk about beginner's luck, man. Like I made way too much money on that deal and it was way too easy in hindsight. Like I don't think another flip has been as easy as my first one to date. Like, <laughs> so blessing and a curse all in one uh, because it- What were those numbers? Uh, let's see. So I think I purchased that for 45 grand and our rehab was 
similar. I think it was between 40, maybe 50,000 bucks. And I think we sold that for 165,000 bucks. And it was a quick project. I think maybe the rehab was six to eight weeks. So, you know, perspective, right? It's like up until that point, the most I had ever made in a year was 50,000 bucks. Now it's like we made more than that in eight to 10 weeks. So life-changing for sure. And you're in your early 20s. Was your was your first child born yet? Yes. Or yep. was it in the oven? Okay. Yep. She was born. She was born. Um, because So I started my research and everything before she was born, but it probably took me another year and a half, two years, because there's still photos of my daughter being like two years old, like at that house, like me holding her out front. And it's just awesome, you know, super cool. So that was the first one. That was the first one that started everything. Give listeners a sense of approximately how many deals you've gotten in and out of since that. Ooh, in and out of, if I'm trying to count both sides of the transactions, I don't know. Uh, let's say like around 300. Okay. Folks, that's 300 properties in under a decade. Yep. And right now, what would some of the projects be that you're working on? Similar stuff? What big burrs? What are, you, what are you up to? Most of the stuff today is wholesale. So I'm heavily focused right now and have been for about the last uh, two years on growing and scaling the wholesale company. So it's kind of ironic, right? Like three, 400 transactions that I've done or whatever. And right now today, we have like 45 deals in our pipeline today. So it's like I have a tenth of what I've done in my entire life already stacked up right now. Like we're massively and rapidly growing and expanding. The goal is 365 wholesale transactions next year. One a day. One a day. Please revamp 365. Yes, sir. Your shot picked right up on that. Everybody needs to get on that buyer's list. That's right. Revamp365.io. www.revamp365.io. What states are you buying in? Pennsylvania, Jersey, and Delaware. We're essentially like a 75-mile radius from our home base here in media. So it puts us from about Lancaster out west over to like South Jersey beaches, down to southern parts of Delaware, and uh, up north as far as the Poconos. So pretty wide range. So that's going to be some serious earned income if you manage all that well. What does your more passive income rental portfolio look like today? Today, it looks like um, between current units that are in operation as well as units that are under construction, it's about 30 units. Um, It always fluctuates a little bit because with the wholesale company, if we end up closing on something because there's a problem tenant in place, it's like, well, that goes on our numbers. Now, it's not a tenant that I want, right? But it's it's just kind of a nature of the beast with the company that we're running. So, For the listeners that are thinking about getting into wholesaling, already there, looking for those pearls, is there anything that you feel that you do uniquely that you'd be willing to share with them. I, what I'm leaning towards is I believe that you have the approach where you will, when you're putting something under agreement, you're going to buy it at that price, whether or not you sell it or not. That's correct. That's and, correct. And I would say that that the number one frustration I would think on the consumer side with the, with a, the proverbial wholesaler 
is there's no real guarantee that for that $100, $1,000 deposit, walk for any reason in 30 days, whatever their contract is, I just, I just helped a close friend avoid all of that, right? Yep. Under, they were under the guise that they were buying it, but they weren't actually going to buy it. What sets you, what is unique about you, if that's it, a wonderful or anything else for the listener? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things, but it's crazy because most of the things are what you would probably look at as little things that aren't really, you know, earth shattering or anything. But like you just said right there, yeah, doing what you say, say what you do, be um, be the company that you would like to work with, right? You got to have integrity. You have to also admit when you're wrong. I just shared a story this morning where we did just have a deal last week where we had an issue and I won't go into the whole thing, but it was like a five month long ordeal. And ultimately we weren't able to deliver in this case, what we promised on contractually, we didn't have to pay out a penny, but the seller that we were working with felt that, uh, you know, he was put in a financial situation because we weren't able to deliver on what we promised. Um, so forget what we had to do contractually or anything like that. We looked at it and we said, you know what, we're in the wrong. We should have done better. We should have communicated better. We should have had clearer expectations and we're going to own that and we're going to pay out. My attorney says, it's worked every time except for one. I'd rather fix a problem than win a lawsuit. I love that. And what I know about you, Drew, is positivity, man, and values and integrity. Even when we're just jumping on here and we're getting the mic set up, and I'm like, man, it just doesn't sound exactly – no problem. You just like kind of spring right in. That – is that natural or is that learned? Do you like talk to us about that? Yeah, no, I think uh, it's totally natural for me. I think that's that's why I have done well in business because I am a problem solver. Um, I hate having somebody bring something to me where there is not a there is not a solution to be had, right? Like I am a fixer. So it, it served me well. And it's also, you know, a curse in some cases, some situations, right? Sometimes like relationships in life, people just want to be heard, right? They don't want their problems solved. They don't want an answer, right? But that's me. That's how I am. I'm like, hey, let's figure this out. There's got to be a solution. Let's attack it from a different angle, you know? You mean we we can't just fix everything? <laughs> hey, hey, look, in my mind, you know, I I think you can. I think you can. Continual improvement on everything in life. There's a video on YouTube called The Nail. If any man is listening or women, uh, watch a video called The Nail, and it will help you with your relationship. You have the girlfriend has become wife. The The firstborn has become oldest of Three. Hold us to three. Yep. All right. Yep. So first deal was a flip. Numbers almost too good to be true in terms of the speed versus the income, but it but it was like, okay, this is real. I yep. can do this. How long did it take you from that point to to be able to thank that W two and say, I need to now give hundred and fifty percent of my efforts to this real estate business? What did that transition look like? 
Great question. Yeah, uh, it was it was a couple of years. So in the beginning, everything was really slow. It was like year one, yep, one flip. Year two, two flips, and we may have purchased a rental in that year, and, uh, and then maybe it was year three or something like that. It was like 2016, and uh, like I said, the entire business model was I handle the real estate side, and my father handles the um, renovations, construction side of the entire business. And we were working on a four unit that we had purchased that we were going to keep as a burr. And my father passed away during that project. And, you know, talk about life changing and life shattering, you know, like it knocked me on my ass. Not only did I lose my father, but I also lost my partner that handled such a massive part of what we were trying to do. Um, so that was really challenging and I had to make a decision at that point if I was just done or if I wanted to continue on up until that point it's like I had been around trades and construction my whole life but I never worked professionally in anything like any trades you know so here I am like only a couple projects in to this real estate career and I don't know what the hell I'm doing in construction. And I mean, really emotionally, I'm just like freaking crushed at the time. But honestly, like, I don't think I had much thought about even giving up and not continuing because when he passed away, it's like we had that big project going on. That was like $150,000 renovation and two other projects going on that I was like, I didn't really even have time to slow down and grieve, you know? Um, I just had to put my nose down and get the shit done. I had to figure it out. And as a result of that, I spent way more money than I should have. I spent way more time than we should have. But I got the stuff done. I got them projects done. And then it was kind of the reset, like, is this something that I think that I can do? Do I have the ability? Do I have the strength? And Ultimately, I came to the conclusion that I'm going to go for it, man. I'm just going to do it. I bought a flip after that where I literally did everything in that house myself because I wanted to prove it to myself. You know, I wanted to prove it to myself that I could and did that. That went well. And then I was like, hey, getting this self-limiting belief out of my mind now, like I can do it. And now I have more of a burning desire and a reason that I have to freaking succeed, you know, from there, just kept going, man. Yeah. That's, it's fascinating. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that with your father. That's, that's, uh, that's deep, dude. That, that, that's, there's four ways that a human can express our emotions. We can either suppress them, escape them. We can, ex we can, express them or we can transmute them and i'm sure you did a little bit of all of them but at the end of the day you transmuted it and not doing as many of the renovations today you focus out of those 365 transactions that's the goal for 2023 correct what do you have a goal or intention 
on the real estate portfolio to grow a number of units, a number of revenue? How do you look at it? How do you make a determination? I'm sure it comes down to a lot to the velocity of money and what can you afford to keep and 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 the market, all these things sure. that are really out of our control on the macro level. What does that look like and how who helps you make those types of decisions? For sure. So you're you're right. There, there's a lot of variables. Um Really, the number one driving factor for me is mental capacity, right? So I have plenty of things lined up now. Like I have really good people all around me. I have good financials. I have good lenders in place and everything. But still, the amount of mental capacity that goes into any sort of renovation for me, whether it's something that I'm buying that's going to be a burr or it's something that I'm going to flip there's still a lot of mental energy that goes into any single deal that I do. So I know that like this year, right now, if I continued purchasing two, three, four houses a month, it's going to totally derail that goal of doing 365 deals with the wholesale company next year, just because I won't be able to have the level of focus that I need to as a leader to lead the wholesale company to where we need to be. Um, so in terms of like how many purchases do I intend to make over the next 12 to 18 months, I can't answer that specifically. In a perfect world, well, there, there's two different answers because I, I want to have my cake and eat it too, right? Like I'd love to be able to buy 50 houses over the next year and be able to grow and scale the wholesale company and be the leader that I need to be, but that's just not realistic. Um but why have your cake if you can't eat it? I, I know. Don't. I know. It's tough, man. Goals. Goals. <laughs> it's, not always, it's not always easy, right? So I'm hearing it's not so much about the even the velocity of money in terms of those rentals. If, I guess if you're buying them right and then you could cash out and, 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 and that and you're probably already in the commercial financing world where they're looking at debt service coverage ratios and income and tax returns and all that and not so much. Um, you know, primary residence type stuff. Certainly not. Yep. So when I so focus, focus. So it, it's 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 focus. So if you hit one result, if you hit one goal, you would miss a different result, and that's why you would choose. So the overarching goal. Why I understand the name of the company's revamp three sixty five. Has this been something that has been a burning desire to be to ring that bell every day in the office that says. Probably, probably five times on Friday, and maybe nobody's there working over, over the weekend as much. But is why why three sixty five? So yeah, I can't say that. Like when I started the wholesale company, Revamp three sixty five, three years ago, that this would be the trajectory that we're that we're on today, right? Because really, I started the wholesale company out of necessity. At the time, three four years ago. Um, I was on a different path. Like I wanted to flip 50 to 75 houses a year and we had an in-house construction company. And that's the story that you shared earlier when uh, you were buying that 13 or 14 unit and I came up there, like I was on a totally different path. We had an in-house construction crew. We had lots of financing lined up. We had lots of private lenders and we didn't have the same issues as most people. Most people, it was like 
They didn't have the construction side figured out. They didn't have the money lined up, whatever. We had all those things. We just didn't have enough deals to buy. So I took some time. I took six, nine, 12 months trying to figure out the direct to seller marketing to start to create our own deals, not just find deals, but create them. And with that, like a couple things happened, right? Spent a lot of money, did a lot of the wrong things and learned the hard ways. On marketing or construction? Where did you spend? On marketing, on marketing. Okay. Um, But when when you're working on ramping up? Working on ramping up. We were really working on ramping up the fix and flip company. Okay. But I kind of had to start that parallel with the acquisition company. It wasn't really a wholesale company at that point. It was just, we had to start doing our own acquisitions. And after traction started happening, that's when we started looking at it and we're like, well, now we have more deals than we really can or want to purchase. So really kind of just started selling them to other buddies of mine that were flippers, landlords, whatever. And you, and you were also expanding your geography back then? Or were you still staying tight? Staying pretty tight back then. So, so let's go and help us out with the spectrum or the, or the flow of what would it look like? We go to a lot of meetups and there's a lot of people that, that they, they have the W-2, maybe they have some rental properties, depending on the meetup, there's a fair amount of wholesalers, bird dogs, uh, they, th- those terms probably mean um, slightly different things. If you were giving advice to somebody who was starting out in that in that world, what's the best ROI that they can get to find a deal? And then does that scale up to the level that you're at right now? And when does it when does that threshold like cross? So I think in terms of what is the best ROI, and I think it's applicable in everything. I mean, the best return that you're ever going to get is in self-education. You know, I wouldn't say that it's this marketing campaign or that or this software or anything like that. It's it's self-education, man. It's going to take you so much further and it does scale right? Like I could give an idea for a marketing campaign to someone today and sure it may get them results or whatever, but they're going to realize all the other bottlenecks that exist in either their um, technical skills or their network or whatever it is today. But when you're investing into self-education and kind of really understanding who you are, uh, why you are the way you are and technical skills also, right? It's like you get a return on that for the rest of your life. Not the answer I thought you were going to say, but let, 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 let's go with it. So I can go another way too, whichever way you want to run, buddy. Yeah. So self-education. Yes. What do you mean by that? Uh, so it's very broad, right? Um, it could be as simple as reading books. It could be going to networking events, meeting other people, connecting, seeing where they're going in their life. Um, it could be, I know that you're very big on like the meditation type things and everything. Um, there's so much value in all of those things, finding mentors, um, being part of different mastermind groups. I, I think it's massive. I mean, it's absolutely a big contributing factor to where I'm at today. You know, I, I try to always make myself the dumbest one in the room. And 
a lot of times that's hard, right? It's, it's weird. It's awkward going into a room full of people where you know that everybody is like three levels above you, mm-hmm. but that's how you grow. You grow quick. So one of the foundational books that we both read was Think and Grow Rich. My synopsis of that book is have a definite chief aim and then have a network of people that helps you get there, a close network that you keep that dream alive. What What is his, whatever the man, a mind of man can conceive and believe he can achieve. Like it's just burned in there, right? Absolutely. So what you're, what the answer that you gave was keep working on yourself. And I, I have a lot of respect for whomever goes to a meetup, the, right? Like that's all weekdays. They're after hours from the proverbial nine to five. They're away from their family. And if they're showing up there for the right reasons, not just to be away from the family, right? Because yep. many of us want to get back to the family. Yep. They are. And, and sometimes they're, it, it, you get the pearl, right? When yep. I was at one of your meetups, it was like, do not define budget until you have scope of work. And I, I share with everybody who will listen. I said, I used to go in, I would buy a building for X amount per unit. I'd have in the back of my mind how much I wanted to spend on that unit. And then I would force my numbers. Work backwards into it and it doesn't work. And it doesn't work. It, do, it doesn't work. And you were like, you have to define scope of work. And what we mean by that is how long is it going to take? What's the actual materials? And then- when you determine that, and we could go deeper there and to say, well, who's doing the work? Am yep. I doing the work? Is a, is a licensed GC with all the guys are on W-2 and, and there's branded trucks showing up? Or is it not that level of labor, but possibly an equal level of skill or maybe not? Those are all these determining factors to define what the actual scope of work is. So it's labor, materials, and time frame, right? Mm-hmm. You spend a lot more money. You could get things done a lot quicker. You For could sure. be running right? You, you close down at McDonald's for a weekend, how many hundreds of thousand dollars in revenue gets lost? That's why they're working there if they can in the townships 24 hours a day to bring that back online. Exactly they're right. They're willing to pay for it. It's so huge. where would, what rooms are you getting in where you feel like you have the most to learn in that room? So right now, um, and I guess for about a year now, I've been in the real estate group called Collective Genius. It's a real estate mastermind. Great people in the group. Um, The the best real estate investors and business owners across the country. And yeah, that's just been monumental. I've met a lot of great people. I've found my current mentor through that group and uh, just... A bunch of people that are on a similar trajectory. Is that group designed to help you identify a mentor within the group or is that a relationship that you fostered on your own? Yep. On my own. Yep. I find it amazing that it's it's not for this listener, probably. Who's listening to this podcast is not this person or maybe that they're on the edge, but there's a lot of folks that'll spend $10 at Starbucks or Wawa. I don't think you can get out of Wawa for $10. Let's call it $25. Fair. And the $25 book is is a question to purchase. And the $25,000 mastermind is not even in a realm of possibilities. The first mastermind that I joined was free and then I wasn't let in. It was an offshoot of EO. 
Okay. And why why I wasn't in is because my kids were younger. All of these men, it's called the Pac-Man group, they were all their kids were like graduating college basically. So it was just not good. We were at different phases in our life. But then I went to a group called Go Abundance. And back then it was 4500 bucks. And I was like, whew, putting that one on the credit card. Right. Yep. That was probably the most I've spent since Penn State on direct education. What for you, did you have the the big gulp from cutting some of those checks? Because it seems like you weren't you you were not worried about buying a book or maybe picking up, you know, the CDs, you know, dating ourselves. Yeah, right. What was it like when you made the transition into these paid groups? You know, it's it's scary at first, but I think a lot of that does come back to knowing thyself, right? Even when I hired my first mentor, before I did my first deal in real, real estate, you know, it's like I met that mentor through the Delco Property Investors Group. His name was Bill Becker. And at the time, like Bill was uh, an elderly gentleman, you know, like he hadn't really been in the real estate space for a while, right? Like he was doing coaching and education for probably the past 10 to 15 years. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I can probably get started. I can probably do a deal, make money and I'll be okay. But I also knew that if I invested money with a coach, if I pick up one nugget, what's the likelihood that that one little thing that I learn is going to potentially save me more than I invested with that mentor anyway. And in the world of real estate, it's like, I think I spent $5,000 for that first mentorship, right? What was the likelihood that I could have made a mistake that would have cost me more than $5,000 on my first deal? Probably pretty likely, you know? So to avoid something potentially, and also, having that accountability, right? Like a lot of times we're not accountable to ourselves. We're accountable to everyone else, but not always to ourselves. So I knew that if I spent money on something to have someone to hold me accountable, there's no way that I wasn't going to perform. I was going to go out and take action. I had to, right? I got to make my money back. So I know that about myself. So maybe that's another big reason that I've always been a strong believer in masterminds, in mentorships and everything. Because the free gym memberships just don't work. Never works, man. Never works. But you're paying for the health club or you're paying for that coach. You're paying for the accountability. Those who pay, pay attention. Ah, so you would invest in yourself. 100%. And continue to do this. Is there a, I've heard maybe it was T. Harvecker, Millionaire Mind, where it was live on 50%. And this is post-tax, but live on 50%. Save your own funds that you don't touch. Give it for yourself, right? Richest man in Babylon type stuff, yep. 10%. Donate, charity, give away, 10%. Invest back into yourself. 10%. I think there's 20% left. I mean, direct investments back in yourself and then 20% invest in it, have that money grow for you. Do you follow any of those types of money principles? Does it, does it, does it come naturally now? I know you have some toys in that garage of yours. <laughs> A little bit. How do you at this level 
operate with 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 with, with in terms what of financials like? and yeah. what do I kind of Ratios. allocate towards different things? Yeah. Um, so I am certainly not normal in that regard because if even hypothetically, if that's what the suggestion was, take 10% of what you make and invest it back into yourself. Oh my God, I'm way more than that. Um, I am very, very aggressive right now. And for the past 12 to 18 months, I have been reinvesting heavily, heavily into the company and into myself personally. Um, so those percentages, oh my God, no way. Um, I've been on more of a path of what do I have to pay myself to be able to cover our family's living expenses and everything? And can I take every other penny and reinvest it into the company and into myself? That's 100% plowback ratio, probably 110. You're willing to borrow some money and go 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 all in. Yep. What do those investments look like now as you are approaching this period to be transacting a deal a day with your team? What does this infrastructure look like? What's the marketing spend? If you're if you're comfortable sharing any of this, I'm sure people are interested in absolutely. In and obviously, this has not been overnight, folks. This is this is this engine has been getting refined over time. And as you pick up these level of speeds, you must be that much more focused, determined, because you're taking this, you're, you're taking this race car 200 miles an hour. That's right. And going 120. So, so you, you need to build it for this speed and be, and be continually testing it. So what does this look like for you? So, I mean, as far as like systems, processes, things of that nature, like, I mean, I could talk about it for the next two weeks. Yeah. Um, systems are everything when you're trying to operate anything at scale, right? So up until this point last year, right around, yeah, August, September of last year for our CRM for the company, we were using FreedomSoft. Actually, I got uh, their cup right in front of me here. I still love Rob Swanson and FreedomSoft. It's my buddy. Um, but we even saw limitations with that. So around this time last year, we were bringing in between five to seven contracts every week. Um, but we were pretty limited. Like there was kind of like a ceiling in front of us. We weren't able to track a lot of the data and analytics that we really need to, to get into the, the deep, dirty stuff with how can we take what we're doing and go, you know, 10 levels above it. Right. So I invested a ridiculous amount of money into building a custom CRM for our company. I think, well, I know I'm one of the only companies in the country that for our sales team and sales process, we actually have artificial intelligence softwares um, that are literally listening in on acquisitions calls and kind of giving real live insights into how to potentially course correct if a call is going a certain way. And then on the back end, we have a ridiculous amount of data analytics that we're able to look at and see how we can improve our sales process, how we can improve our sales team, how we can more quickly onboard and level people up. Um, you name it. We invested a lot of money last year into all those systems and a lot of different processes and everything. And what I can tell you is this year, it almost killed us. Mm. Mm. Almost. 
So I was, I guess, naive about the entire thing because everything was being purposefully built. So every aspect of the system was really designed to remove a previous obstacle that we had with our previous softwares. So in my mind, I'm like, well, we purposefully built this to solve all of our needs. It's going to be a nice, smooth transition, man. And man, was I wrong. We ended up doing the switch around December. And the first quarter of this year, man, it's like we went from doing five to seven deals a week to like we would do three to four deals a month in January, February, and March just because there was such a learning curve with the new software and systems. Um, so that was scary, man. And and have you come out of that period? We have. We have. Um, truth be told, I mean, we're really only getting back to where we were at this point last year, but now we have a lot of data, a lot of um, real deep analytical stuff that we can get into um, that will help us grow those 10 levels past yep. where we were at. Yeah. And it's easier. I believe Anthony Robbins refers to that as the mastery curve where where there's there's achievers and they will just grind, 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 but they're going to keep doing the same thing. They're not willing to take the step back to be able to move forward. They don't want to see the curve go down in terms of output to input. And then you have the dabblers that just every six months, they're starting a new sport. I'm not a wholesaler today. Now I'm going to do rentals. I'm going to do burrs. You know what? I'm actually not in real estate. I'm not as interested. I don't think real estate is going to do really well. I'm going to go over here. I'm flipping cars and, yeah. and scrapping metal or whatever. And then you have the group, the, the, the mastery level that's willing to take the step back. I think one of the challenges is we don't always know how long that trough is going to last that's for right. and the amount of faith that it takes to stay positive. One of my mentors, Pat Croce, in, in one of his books written many years ago, I Feel Great, You Will Too, he says, anybody can have a positive attitude when things are going well. That's easy. Humans are pretty good at that. Can you have a positive attitude when you had the result of more volume, probably better leverage points, maybe, maybe the team wouldn't have to be as a cumbersome and stressed on like, I'm sure that you had very good intentions behind all this, but then your actual, the strategy that you chose to get there was your own software platform, yep. which could be a whole nother conversation in terms of what's the real value in your company. Is it now this software powered by AI or is it, uh, you know, wholesale fees to then future rentals and everything else. But you went, you went through it. You went did not. And, 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 and when you're, you probably have had all the boats burned of multiple years in, in revenue, right? To, uh, yeah. So you're on the other side and now you're back. It took, let's say, nine months to get to the volume. So you got to make up that period. And then you're in theory off to the races. What would be anything that would be limiting you now to be able to hit the, the transaction per day? Oh, man. So it goes back to that investing in thyself again. Um, the only thing that will or has the potential to limit us now is my leadership ability. Okay. That's what are it, you doing man. to work on that? Working on myself. Okay. I have mentors. I 
continually, you know, really kind of self-reflect and everything and just try to figure out how I can be better, how I can help my team be better, how I can try to elevate everyone around us, add value to every relationship. Um, I don't think it's an easy thing. And especially in things like that, like you don't always know if you're heading in the right direction, right? Like with the software and everything that I've been focused on for the last 12 months, getting all the systems, all the processes, getting all that set up, even when everything is not going the way that you want it to, you can still see the progress, right? Like it's easy to kind of quantify everything. But when you're trying to look at things like, am I a better leader today than I was a year ago? It's like, how do you quantify some of those things? You know, like I'm hiring more people now than I ever was before. Um, You have to be able to look at them things. Do you have a, for, for all the traction fans and EOS, and do you have, are you following any of those type of models or is your, is it more so, what does that look like? The, the John Maxwell's, the, is, is it coming from the mentors that are involved in the real estate? A little bit of both? For sure. For sure. Definitely a lot is coming from mentors and everything, but generally kind of follow the same type of principles as uh, like traction, EOS type stuff. Okay. Like we have daily huddles, we have L10 meetings, you name it, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and, and do you have an integrator or would you say that you're visionary and integrator? Right now I am. I am trying to uh, promote from within right now and move someone into that role. So working Wonderful. on it. Wonderful. Are there any tips that you have to offer before we start to bring this plane down in terms of property management, real estate development? construction lots so so we'll hit on that first one first uh property management so um i think in a lot of ways i wish i didn't have the background and the experience that i did because i think in a lot of ways it limits me and property management is certainly one of them um because it's really difficult to look at something that I know that either I have the skills or the resources to be able to fix something. Like it's hard to like take your car to the mechanic and you know, it's going to be 3000 bucks or whatever, but you're like, man, I know that I could do that in like two hours on the weekend while I'm drinking a six pack of beer. Right. Um, I think it's the same thing for me, like with property management is, uh, it's difficult to pay people to do certain things that I used to do. I'm getting better with it now. Like we have different maintenance teams and everything in place, but it's just funny. Like being in the role that I am with the wholesale company, I talk to a lot of people that are buying their first investment deal that they want to rent out or whatever. And like, if you don't have the knowledge or the tools or the resources Yeah, I think self-managing is one of the number one ways to burn yourself out as an investor. Looking at it from the other end of the spectrum, most of the distressed sellers that we buy houses from in the wholesale company that are selling at huge discounts, they're your landlords that own one or two rental properties and they tried to self-manage. They got taken advantage of by a lot of tenants. They weren't able to evict or didn't have the heart to evict. Right. They let people get behind on payments and everything. And it's just, it's not a good way to run a business or 
run investments, you know? Right. right. And it's tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. Because you, you chose to, when you were doing that, one of those, after your father passed away, you, you got in there and you did it. And, and you probably got a lot of experience to know how long things take and what they cost and all that. So it's, 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 it's tricky. And I think back to your answer of know yourself. I know that I am not a great property manager. I am, a, I am very good at owning a property management company, right? Yep. I'm, I'm very good at the process, the systems of this, but it takes such a unique personality that what at our scale, we have five people that manage one property. It's wow. not one person that manages a property. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. We need a transaction coordinator. That person has a different personality than the field manager. The field manager has a different personality than the actual formal property manager, which is different than the bookkeeper. For sure. Right? And that's different than the manager or finance manager or, or, or other levels. And then none of those are even swinging a hammer just yet. Yep. Such so, a great point. So it, it so really knowing yourself, it, I wonder if there would be like a way to say like, what is a pr- profile that's very good for property management? What is not? And some people are blessed where I, is your wife still involved? She is. She in, is. In the management side. And that like, you can still have a loving and fun relationship and it's not talking. Like, how do you set, how do you set up those boundaries? So, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that we're starting to transition right now is getting her out of that role. So, yeah, it's probably been four years now, maybe five years that she has kind of taken over uh, like the majority of the property management, tenant turnovers, even maintenance, repair things and whatnot. She'll coordinate all that stuff. But, yeah, we're at the point now where we're trying to start removing her from that and have somebody within my company be able to start to take over some of those things. Because, um, yeah, to your point, it's like. When does it start? It's an interesting dynamic because I know not, not a lot of people do have that like husband and wife that are kind of working together in the same thing. But in a lot of ways, it's great, but it can also be a stressor, right? It's like, yeah, we're going out to dinner. We're doing like a monthly date night or something. And all that we're going to talk about are the freaking issues of the two tenants that just trashed the last property. And we're going to be 10,000 bucks on a turn, right? It's like, yeah. well, n- now it's now it's not great anymore, you know? Right. So trying to remove that now is kind of where I'm at. What about for construction? Um, I think a lot of it with construction is also relationships, just like everything else. Um, You got to have strong relationships with the people that you're working with, working for, um, that are working for you. Um, How can you efficiently hit a timeline or hit a budget if you don't have open and clear communication with the people that you're working with? You know? some of it is definitely knowing the technical side of things also, right? So I'm biased. So it's really hard to answer like certain questions because like I know plenty of people that are really successful at what they do and they couldn't tell you the difference between like a two by four and, you know, a, a sink, right? Like they know almost nothing about construction, but they're still successful. So it's hard to say like what I think are the most important things to know 
you know, because I think everybody's so different in that regard. But it's always a key critical piece to know, like, and trust the people that you're working with, your contractors, your vendors, whoever, and have open lines of communication. Yeah. And what I would add to that, thank you for the honest answer. The scale of construction is quite large. What what we've been learning is the larger projects that we can get into, then we can have the more specialized vendors. When when Y foremen meet with someone and they and, and they hand us the card that's, you know, XYZ handyman and remodeling, we want to know what that person what if they had to do something on a project, what would they want to do most? Love that. And in today's day and age, maybe it was different 50 years ago or so where you really would have somebody who was pretty well versed in these and maybe the the houses were just simpler. Uh, we find that it's getting easier the more we scale the construction where we have a plumbing plumber do plumbing. We have a master electrician do the, electri- the electric work, the HVAC work, and we have master carpenter mechanics that can put all that together in terms of having who's on the job site when and like if you have the right – demo crew and then the right framing when the framing then that helps with the rough in and 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 all of that so that also is then helping to when i say the word drew i think a scope of work but now i'm going to think of 365 (laughs) i love that you on there man i love Uh, that i love so yes so to, to that point right like you said it is becoming easier now with scale that you are able to have specialized trades and everything doing something um that they yeah really like and they're good at um gonna flip this on you here real quick sure. like what was that transition like um you know before you had the ability because that, that's one of the things that i still struggle with today not being like on job sites anymore, not being able to manage as closely as I need to. It's one of the reasons that I'm not focusing on the construction company because you need to be able to focus on it, right? But yeah, it's it's hard to be able to afford the specialist when you're at a small scale. Would you agree with that? Yes. It it is harder to psychologically afford. Great way to put it. Especially if you know, oh my God, a mini split system costs Thirty five hundred. Now it's fifty five hundred dollars for the average, you know, twelve hundred square foot, you know, four or five head system. And what do you mean fifteen thousand dollars, right? Or whatever, you know, is is in somebody's region. So what we first to know thyself. I did not want to hear it from my foreman, who's now been with me. Uh, shout out to Kyle. He's been with me now, and we've been growing together for right about two years. And and he said from from Jump Street, because here's the challenge: when you go to hire these guys, they can do it all. I could build you a house, yeah, but how much would it cost? How long is it going to take you, right? And are you even really allowed to do some of this work? <laughs> That's right. Yourself? And and are you really good at it, or do you just know how a house comes together? Because that's in some way what they're saying. They're saying I know how a house comes together. But we hear, oh, you can do it all. Well, this is great because I am paying you why and a plumbing rate when I is is three X Y. So what has been helpful for us is categories. So we have a 46 line project plan that that 
basically encapsulates any project that we're going to do. And I will not ask my foreman, what's it going to cost? I will ask them, how many man days? Sounds like mayonnaise. How many man days do you need to clean out all that personal property in that house? How many dumpsters? Okay, three dumpsters and five man days. Got it. Let's do seven man days and four dumpsters. Let's put that in there. And and then we go through every category. And now with almost three years under our belt, we can go and we can say the actual results of that house or of we're doing more apartments was this. Well, how do we know what it was? Well, right now we use a software called Auto. We're switching Auto to something else to be more integrated, right? But Auto can be set up to say 501 Main Street demo, 501 Main Street trim and doors, 501 Main Street miscellaneous. Now we have foreman time. We have laborer time. So those are some of the extra categories that we would add, but there's 46 in total. I'm happy to share it with anybody who would want to see where that where that workbook is at today, because the biggest challenge that I have that I face in my space is I don't have months to determine how much I can afford to pay for a building. Sometimes, right. sometimes I do, and that's when I'll take the time and really figure it out a good off market lead or I have a relationship. Otherwise, I have to be pretty quick, and the the level that we're growing to. Drew is where we are getting it down to now price based upon square footages. Love it. So at $100 a square foot, I know that I can take an 800 square foot apartment and make it darn near luxury. Love it. Right. Now, if it's on the fourth story of a building with no elevator, it's going to cost more. Sure. Just just because uh, then what we find is, well, where were we off? Well, we removed all the personal property, but man, it took a lot longer because we couldn't throw anything out the window and we had to wheel it across and then the neighbor yelled at us. And 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 uh, so, yeah, so it's all those variables. It's tracking, tracking. And, and, and doing it and going over budget and OK, but why and learning and then now comfort level. The, that same foreman would have a tremendous amount of resistance in in terms of the reporting back or even saying, how long is something going to take? Well, why don't I just tell Rob it's going to take 10 days when I think I can get, <clears throat> get it done in four? Well, because now we're off on our variance going the other way. Yep. Yep. You have the data. You have the historical experience. Yeah. So it takes the trust, takes that relationship. It takes signing into at, at least a job or signing into, better yet, the job code. The latest building we bought was built in 1970, which is much different than, with, than, than the early 1900s properties that we had been working on. So we one of the reasons we bought that is so we know that's an asset class that we really want to go after where it's already Romex. The floor plans are pretty good. The foundations are solid. The the yeah the infrastructure is in a much better condition. I love that. Fifty years, not you know, one hundred and twenty in some instances, and those numbers are are proving out to be a little different. So then the foreman's job is: can we do it for less money in house, or do we need to sub it out? And 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 those are the types of decisions that a working foreman would would 
would make for you know the RW construction side of things. So thanks for hey, thanks for turning it over no, to me. I, I love that. That's that great. That was great, and, man. And uh, that's what that's what we're doing. So it's auto, and then auto drop drops into QuickBooks, and then it's exception reporting on a weekly basis to say we call it the five fifteen. Takes fifteen minutes to write and five minutes to read. And here's what's going on with the project, and here's what we're learning. I get real time data on it. Because for me, it's not how low can I get a property for anymore. It's how much can I afford to buy that property for? What can I afford to spend on that property? And what is a realistic maintenance budget that that it could go into? And uh, experience is what we get just after we needed it. That's right. So you got to be comfortable with with keeping keeping the growth going. You know, something you just said there, I, I think should be highlighted, right? Like that seems like such a subtle mindset shift between how much can I afford to pay for this versus like how much can I pay for this, right? I, I, I just verbally said that wrong, but I think you get what I mean, right? Like that is such a difference when you actually know your numbers and you can back into it. It's the same as us with the wholesale company. We don't look at like, how much does it cost to generate a lead? How much does it cost to generate a contract? It's, we know the numbers on the other end. So it's, here's how much we can spend to be able to generate, right? And it changes everything because that unlocks the potential of scale. Otherwise, ego sets in and says, we were buying properties at 50,000 a door. 60,000 a door, 70,000 a door. And when I've been in rooms and guys stop, and I've, I myself have stopped for a period of almost a decade buying properties to do the family and grow the company. And I realized, well, if I don't keep up with this, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eventually stop myself because ego says, well, I'm not paying $100,000 on that same street when three years ago I bought in almost better condition for half that. It's a huge mental block for sure. And 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 it's the same person that says, yeah, back back then I could I spent this amount on or a used car. Go good luck shopping for a used car right now. And Absolutely right. Same it's, thing. It's, you you have to what can I afford to buy versus how? And then you still negotiate. And 100%. I like to educate the sellers on look, anybody who says they're gonna spend more, I don't think it's gonna appraise. I, this is, this is, this was what I'm running into. That's right. And, and educate them. And, and, uh, what's interesting in my world is I'm not dealing with a consumer. I'm not buying a, a single family home. Like I used to be in the borough of Westchester where I am competing with emotions and ego. And I need to get my children in this school district and we're moving soon and another baby's on the way. Those price for price per square foot it's valued differently. So you you are I'm thinking you who is calling revamp 365 to sell? What is is there a number one why they call? Um you mean in terms of like what is like the average demographic of the sellers that we end up yes. working with? Yes. Um it's really hard to pinpoint, right? Um but at the end of the day I can summarize it real simply and say people that have some sort of a problem. Maybe it's that, yeah, maybe it's they inherited a house. Maybe it's that 
Uh, their husband was the aspiring landlord and unfortunately he passed away and it's been falling apart or maybe it's just a tired older landlord, you name it. But there's somebody that has some sort of an issue where um, they don't want to go or can't go the traditional route of selling a property, right? Got it. Drew, I could talk to you for hours, buddy. I, know, I probably I will once we stop recording. We'll just keep going. I'm going to have <laughs> you back on. If we can, when you hit that 365, I love it. We would love to have you back. There might be a few more grays. It doesn't look like you have many, but I wish many grays for you, my friend. (laughs) They're there. You just can't see them. Good wisdom. (laughs) I appreciate you having me on so much, Rob. Yeah, we've, we've covered all but the final two questions that we have for all of our guests. And the one would be, I know you're a father. Are there any charities or, or that I know people can call you? Like, what does the give back look like for a Drew Farnies? The give back for me is uh, I've donated to some charities in the past and everything. Usually it's when I see another guy like yourself that has a strong belief in something and is pushing that. And I'll make, uh, you know, charitable donations like that. But really, I mean, my number one give is really trying to ignite that that flame and somebody else to start them on their journey of becoming, uh, you know, a real estate investor, building a portfolio, building a business, building a better life for yourself. And I try to help out however I can um, with getting people started on their journey because I think it's such a big impact, man. And how do you stay grounded? Are there any spiritual type practices that that what what does that look like for you to have this energy to have this focus to keep showing up for the team to be there as the father and the husband what does it look like man how do you how do you sharpen that that um that axis how do i stay grounded um 100% i think the most important is my wife like without a doubt like she I'm not big on balance in anything in life, right? Like I'm kind of a workaholic in a lot of ways. I will grind until there's nothing left. And just balance isn't really something that ever really crosses my mind. But I know that if my wife wasn't so incredible and she found and created that balance for me, like – Early on when I was still flipping a lot of houses, man, it's like, yeah, I was still working a day job and then going to flip 10 to 12 houses a year on nights and weekends, man. Like, yeah, a lot of people don't believe me when I say I used to work like 80 hours a week was a light week for me. And I did. I had a wife and like a young daughter at the time, right? So she created that balance. Like she would come to me, bring me dinner at job sites and everything, hang out. Like she literally created that balance and she still does today. Like she definitely keeps me grounded, you know, no question about it. I can have the worst day in the world. And, you know, she knows how to kind of separate that. Hey, Drew's home now. Like, let's not dive into any of those things. Like how can we separate? And she creates that balance for me. So I think that's the number one thing for me. Wonderful, bud. Gentleman and a scholar, I appreciate you, sir. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for You're sharing. Wealth we will, of knowledge. We, we will I have learned, you back. I appreciate it, man. I've learned so much from you, and you doing this show is awesome and huge value to everybody listening. Yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate you, Rob. 
thank you for listening to Living Well with Rent Well. We hope you loved that episode. Be sure to head over to our website at rentwell.com forward slash vision. We're giving away our free program called Vision Through Purposeful Action. If you are a busy person, if you struggle with finding the time and the priorities where you experience procrastination and overwhelm, this free course will help you with that. We wish you a blessed day. Thank you for tuning in and check in later.